This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Well, welcome to Sport on Here on Money FM 89.3. And we have with us right now the sports uh, podcasters from the Straits Times. We have their own uh, sports uh, podcast called Game of Two Halves. I'm Bernard Lima. With me, our assistant sports editor, Rohit Bridgenath. And also sports correspondent, Sazali Abdul-Aziz. Welcome back to the studio, guys. Hi, Bernard. Good to be hey, here. Good to be here. <laughs> good to see you. Not seen for a while, yeah? Uh, okay, today we're going to debate about Singapore. Uh, whether can, can Singapore be considered a sporting nation? I mean, I also take stock of the English Premier leaked some exciting games last night and this is around about half term as well and also look at racism in football okay gentlemen both of you worked uh, hard to prepare a two-page uh, inside piece on whether singapore can be considered a sporting nation over the weekend this especially after the sea games i suppose well you spoke to experts in several fields as well as some key figures in the local sports scene can you tell us what people uh, were saying yeah, so we did a big picture story at uh, looking at the sports scene in Singapore. I think, as you mentioned, you know, coming on the, off the back of a pretty successful Sea Games in the Philippines, um, and also because of you know a few other sports events that have been in 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 the news. You know, for example, the Standard Chartered Marathon. You know, people were upset at road closures and so on. So we we decided to explore you know what what this term means, sporting nation, because Go Chok Tong, you know, in two thousand one outlined plans for for Singapore to become a more sporting Singapore. It's been almost 20 years. Uh, we thought it would be interesting to examine if, if we have achieved that. And I think it's very tricky to say because it depends on your definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of those um, sports administrators, coaches, you know, some athletes uh, we spoke to as well, they all point to different factors. But generally, infrastructure, you know, world-class events, hosting world-class events, high performance, community participation, all these factors, you know, are, are taken into account. So... Some say, yes, Singapore has become a sporting nation. Some say, you know, we're getting there. But yeah, I think it's certainly uh, right to evaluate the, the progress we've made over the years. You know, I've been here for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I came here from Melbourne and Melbourne is a pretty big sporting city. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to be like athletes and athletes are one of the amazing things about athletes is they're really positive people. And I, I'm positive about this. I mean, it's easy to look at shortcomings, but I think the progress that Singapore has made in 20, in 12 years has been remarkable. Mm. So not just, the, you know, the stadiums, I think a lot to do is with attitudes, you know, so there are certain handicaps Singaporeans, you know, we are going to have in sport, you know, our size uh, is the size of the country because that limits your playing fields and mm. things like that. And there are certain sports, we, we are not going to be great rugby players, for mm. example. Mm-hmm. But the changes I've seen is one is an attitude. I've seen athletes, when I first came here, I found athletes very shy, very hesitant uh, to talk about, you know, their ambitions or mm. whatever. That I find has changed a lot. Okay. Athletes are a little bit more certain and, I, you know, their body language and, and the way they speak, it's just a little bit more confident. And I think that's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I find parents, even though this is always going to be an academic city, you know, we're always looking for the doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever it may be, (laughs) right? But I feel parents are taking a few more risks with their children. I see some spawning kids who I know who are homeschooled, some parents who are shifting to go abroad Mm -hmm. for their children, but taking more risks. And the other thing, of course, is Joseph schooling. So I think that basically what you need is when somebody wins a big medal, Mm -hmm. right, I think it opens a lot of doors. It makes other younger athletes much more confident. I actually asked Amita Bhatia, who was, uh, uh, she was the world uh, junior 
number one fencer just a little while ago in foil. And I asked her whether, you know, even though she's a fencer, whether Joseph's, you know, winning the gold had an impact on her. And she said, yeah, definitely. Mm. Makes me believe. Mm. And I think it makes parents believe. And then it makes the system believe. So uh, many things happen. So it, look, I had a line in my copy saying, you know, you know, building great buildings are easier than building champions. Mm-hmm. Building champions is a very complicated process. Mm. And building a culture is a very complicated thing. But I'll tell you another small thing. And this is nothing to do with the excellence. Mm. I remember when I first came here 12 years ago, I didn't see that many people running. Mm. Now, I mean, it's impossible for me to go out any time of the day and not see people <laughs> running at lunchtime, in the morning, at night, all the time. That's true. So, you know... I'm 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 optimistic about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe as as what Sazali mentioned just now. That's I think I think the infrastructure is also plays plays a big part. Huge. I mean, it's infrastructure in Singapore over the last few years is really improved by leaps and bounds. I feel. Yeah, I think Sazali, you went in the evening. I think to 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 the, the sports, sports hub, and yeah. you 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 may you might want to talk about that. Yeah. So basically, you know, sometimes people don't don't realize this because they look at what's recent and they think, oh, you know, there's no connection to the sports hub, and mm. you know, it's it's a lifeless um and you know facility or whatever. But if you really look back at what the old National Stadium was, yes, it had some aura because of the Malaysia Cup, but. Mm. Every day you go down there at 6pm, it's just darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that big open car park right. and, you know, grey <laughs> building, <laughs> which is all fenced up. Nobody's inside. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I went to the sports hub uh, at the 100 plus promenade and, and there was, uh, you know, a rollerblader, you know, set up cones, you know, and an endless number of joggers, people doing uh, high intensity fitness uh, workouts, uh, you know, running up and down the stairs, you know, and stuff like that, jumping here and there. So, yeah, it, it is a, a vibrant uh, place to be in the mm-hmm. evening and I, I I guess it's a good reflection of how far we've come. Mm. Yeah, but the key question is, Sazali, did you feel inspired to run? <laughs> uh, never have, uh, and uh, I don't foresee it anytime soon. Like. <laughs> it may have no sporting <laughs> culture happening here. <laughs> well, it seems that all of us are clearly believe that Singapore is already a sporting nation, but but not yet a great one. I mean, in your opinion, what else needs to be done for Singapore to become that one great sporting nation? See, one of the tough things is, I think, you know, one of the things I would see in Melbourne on the weekend when I was going to work is, you know, all these families, you know, all the kids in there. I used to love a Watch the kids and their team scarves or whatever going to watch, you know. So mm. they had Australian uh, football, you know, footy. They had rugby. They had football. They have netball. So you know, you have your own leagues, mm. and then you know, you basically you cheer for this or that yeah. or whatever. So we don't really have that, mm. and then in the small city, maybe there's not enough talent, and somehow the the football league has never become that big. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be a disadvantage for us. Mm-hmm. So that's for me is is, is one of the handicaps, for you, example. You asked what we need to become a great sporting nation. I mm-hmm. actually believe we have not yet arrived as okay. a sporting nation because, okay. you know, for me, again, like I said, go back to, to what we said when we asked people, it depends on their definition. For me, the definition of a sporting nation would be where sport is an important part of most people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel right now, you know, it's an important part um, of some people's lives, mm. so I think that's that's one thing. It has to be sort of tied in with what Rudy yeah, says. Nice you know, you need to you need yeah. to watch, you need to consume, you need to participate. Yeah, correct. I may not run, but I still play football every <laughs> every week. So you know that yeah. that kind of thing. You know, you, you need to have you need to have it in your in your in your in your veins, I guess. You right. Know? And right. and the other thing is also behaviors. You know, mm-hmm. for example, you know, I, I love to cite this example, which is you know, a football match it kicks off at seven thirty. Mm. Singaporeans will come at seven thirty. Yeah, or maybe even uh, seven forty-five. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So so you know, even if it's a Suzuki Cup final. 
final, which we have seen before. Right. The stadium only fills up 10-15 minutes into the game. Sure. So that that's you know, to me indicative of you know a country that sort of doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. You need to be there. You know, the or you whole festive. Yeah, festive right. actually, the best part is the anticipation before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, know, you, you look at the players warm yeah. up. You yeah, can yeah. feel the the atmosphere sort of building. Yeah, yeah. You know, so as people trickle into the true. stadium. That's so, true. That's so true. That's yeah, thing. but related to that, I I would think one of the things that I I wish Singaporeans would do more is go to watch sport. More, yeah, because I understand that not all the sport is world class sport, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think if you love sport. You go and watch any sport. I have watched under 16, under 18 stuff, juniors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Competition is always intriguing mm-hmm. and interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think athletes always do better or feel better if you if they have an audience. That's right. Well, if you like the Straits Times uh, Spot On uh, right here, Money FM or Game of Two Halves, you can listen to us uh, live on Money FM Monday around about 5:15, or uh, or you can subscribe to Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. And now. Moving on to the second half of our ST uh, Sports uh, podcasters, where we turn our attention overseas, especially right now, we're looking at the English Premier League. Well, there were some major changes over the last uh, few weeks. Arsenal sacking Unai Emery, uh, Spurs getting rid of uh, Maurizio Pochettino, and Everton also ditching Marco Silva. In their places have come Mikel Arteta, uh, Jose Marino, Carlos Ancelotti. What do you make of all these uh, changes, Azali? Good moves for Everton and Arsenal, but you know I think Spurs press a panic button. I think Everton needs someone like Ancelotti. They haven't really brought in someone with that profile, you know, a winner, proven, um, you know, manager. And if they're going to back him with uh, some resources, I think it's a good short-term boost for them. For Arsenal, I think it's it's good if they decide to stick with Ateta for at least two years. Mm-hmm. Let him, you know, sort of try and rebuild the squad. You know, have time to work with them, of course. So that's a good, potentially a good long term uh, appointment uh, and again like I said for Spurs I think it's a bit disappointing to see them press the panic button and, and, and get rid of Pochettino you know less than halfway through the season and, and just a few months after he let them to the Champions League final uh, and, and if you look back at the five seasons he had at the club he took them to unprecedented uh, places you know mm-hmm, he, he mm-hmm. never won silverware unfortunately but he he took them to cup finals he took them to uh champions league uh, for a couple of seasons and you know the club were really growing under his charge and uh, you know it's, it's a bit disappointing to especially after they moved into a new stadium and everything right. and he you know he barely lasted half a season at, right. at the new stadium so right. yeah that's that's very disappointing on that end well the premier league uh, half term actually falls uh on boxing day which is like a two days from now yeah. with all the 20 teams that have played 19 games so let, let's look at your crystal ball right now uh, what are some of your predictions uh, for the for the rest of the season to me i think the current top 4 will still finish in the top four. That, that's one prediction and, and, and the other thing I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer will stay the entire season with Manchester United. All I right. don't think I, I get the feeling the, the Manchester United board uh, will show patience mm-hmm. will back him for, for the January transfer window. I know a lot of people uh, are saying that you know he's he's going to go out you know they, they lost to the, the last place team mm-hmm. Watford you know mm-hmm. of course it's a disappointing result but I can see you know what he's sort of trying to build at the club and I, I, I think the management at the club sees that as well and, and you know it should be a long term thing and, and they, again shouldn't press a panic button mm-hmm. too, too soon so I may, I may have missed it did you say that Liverpool, Liverpool will be up there oh yeah oh yes oh my god how could I, I leave the no, league no, leader no, you did, you did, yeah. You did. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay moving on to a, a far less a pleasant aspect of football very quickly right now Chelsea of course had a timely return to form by beating Spurs uh, 2-0 but the match was marked by an ugly incident when uh, Antonio uh, Rodiger claimed that he was a victim of racist abuse by the home fans 
fans. Uh, and this is also partly because of the European football racism that's really uh, coming on and taking on a big uh, form in uh, Europe recently. Uh, why is that so? Any thoughts? Any comments? I mean, I think that the, the problem is, I think uh, the world is like this now. Mm. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, the debates among political parties all over the world, I mean, the debate has become coarse. I think mm. name-calling has become normal. I think prejudice, prejudice and bigotry is out there. And I think that football is not a vacuum, you know. It's yeah. going to reflect what happens in society. But it's awful. I mean, for me, it is just one of the most offensive things uh, that I can think of. You know, I spent most of my life, you know, I was, I'm writing this in a column today, you know, reading about the great battles fought by black athletes, by Muhammad Ali, by Arthur Ashe, by Jackie Robinson. So many of these people did, you know, there's such terrible, terrible things they had to endure. I know mm. there were tennis players. They're not even allowed to get into the changing rooms of clubs. You know, they had to change clothes in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. it was awful. You think that we managed to progress to some point where we understand that, you know, on a field, it's only skill that matters, you know, and the only color that should matter is the color of your shirt. Right. Right. Nothing else. Right, right. And, you know, and that we're still doing this. So I believe, you know, the people I think who, who have to fight this are fans, the good fans. Mm-hmm. They have to fight this. You have to be involved. If you love this game, then you better fight for the honor and the nobility and the decency of this game. And I think that's really important. Okay, so Zali, very quickly, any of such incidents in Singapore football? Yeah, I think over the last decade, just a couple of incidents. And, and you know, in one case, uh, the player was found guilty of, of being offensive towards a player of African descent. <laughs> Again, just to, to echo what uh, Rohit has said, it's just, it's terrible. The world is so divided. You know, divisive politics have emboldened people and, you know, should be no place for it in sport. Okay, so that goes to find the whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Uh, glad to have you all in the studio. Thank you, Rohit and Sazali, yeah. right here Money FM 89.3. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.